testimony of the spirit of adoption witnessing with our spirits that we are children of God? Which spirit is the earnest of our inheritance whereby we are sealed to the day of redemption? So we experience this now and we know it is then coming. Number three, this infallible assurance doth not so belong to the essence of faith. Doth, I love that word. But a true believer may wait long and conflict with many difficulties before he be a partaker of it, yet being enabled by the Spirit to know the things which are freely given him of God, he may without extraordinary revelation, in the right use of ordinary means, very ordinary, attain thereunto, and therefore it is the duty of everyone to give all diligence to make his calling and election sure that thereby his heart may be enlarged in peace, because peace flows from assurance and joy in the Holy Ghost, in love and thankfulness to God, and in strength and cheerfulness in the duties of obedience. The proper fruits of this assurance. So far it is from inclining men to looseness. Number four, true believers may have the assurance of their salvation divers, ways, shaken, diminished, and intermitted, as by negligence in the persevering of it, by falling into some special sin which woundeth the conscience and grieveth the spirit, by some sudden or vehement temptation, by God's withdrawing the light of his countenance and suffering even such as fear him to walk in darkness and to have no light. Yet are they never utterly destitute of that seed of God and life of faith, that the love of Christ and the brethren, that the sincerity of heart and the conscience of duty, out of which, by the operation of the Spirit, this assurance may in due time be revived, and by the which, in the meantime, they are supported from utter despair. So when there is doubt, you carry on not being formed by feelings we have sunk, with sincerity of heart, conscience of duty, out of which the love of Christ and the brethren, being a part of a church, growing in His Word, trusting in His promises, that when we don't feel it, we still walk in it. And we, in due time, will be revived, and the doubts will dissipate as nothing. And our full weight will be taken up by Christ as, we, as He bears our burdens. So a bit of a key for this, we're going to move to to Second Peter, and I, and I want you to open your I want you to open your Bible uh, or your phone Bible, uh, and 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 this is kind of key. You might know the verse. Uh, I sort of semi quoted it a little bit before, and we're going to read through Second Peter chapter one from verse two to verse eleven, and I do have it up on the screen. That's from the NET version. Uh, and just for fun, I'm also going to read. I'm going to read from the ESV, and they just use different words at different times, and it gives a different sense of meaning. So I thought it'd be good to to kind of unpack those. Uh, and it says this: His divine power. Uh, may, sorry, may the grace and peace. Verse two: May the grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Love Peter's writing. It's great. 
For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue or moral excellence or moral character, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. And if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will richly be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're not going to unpack all of that because we don't have time, but there's a couple of quick things I want to pick up on. His divine power has granted to us all things to carry out this life, that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power. We'll return to that. For this reason, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith with, and, and you find faith inward, moral excellence or virtue outward, knowledge inward, knowledge with self-control, self-control is outward, steadfastness, this inward sense, godliness is an acting out, brotherly affection is, an, is, is a, uh, both inward and outward, and love is in an overflow of all of these. It is a progressive movement. Peter is very intentional with this movement uh, as you move from faith to carry out virtue and to increase in these things until you reach love. That is the goal. But if we do not make the effort, we are so nearsighted in our faith that we are blind. Those are strong, strong words. He ends his letter with this exaltation to grow in the grace and the knowledge of of Jesus Christ. You find a lot of the end letters end in this. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. A lot of the epistles end like that. And you might have noticed uh, from uh, the, a movement across the last 10 or 15 years, there's, there's a, a huge take of people, Christians, who are deconstructing their faith. Because much of what they have built upon has either been a shaky foundation or not the gospel, or they have not placed their weight and their bearing into the thing that will actually hold them and they have not held on. And you might be in that place of deconstructing your faith. I don't know. Uh, I, I would, I would kind of hope that you do take a fresh look at your faith and unpack it. It can be a positive thing to pull it apart and make sure that it holds. But a, a movement of, of this kind of thing, uh, a lot of people have been finding that, that uh, uh, what they have placed their, their Christian faith in has not been the gospel. They've built kind of a shoddy house made of balsa wood that kind of looks the part, but it will not bear the load. It falls apart when it's tested because it had no, no part, no, no substance of faith to start with. And I've kind of gone through this, deconstructed my faith, all that sort of stuff uh, previously and, uh, um, and 
you know, all this, uh, I've had this experience about 15 years ago, all the, all the stuff I was told in church, it didn't really make sense. It, doesn't, it wasn't the fault of the preacher in a sense, but uh, very much my own responsibility of what I took on. Um, it, it, things didn't add up, conflicts I had of some things that I was told from, you know, when I was trying to search for the Lord and I, was, I, I, I listened to some things online and I went to some different types of denominations and churches and I heard some other things and I was very unsure about all of this. I had no real sense of assurance but so much of the responsibility to, to uh, lies with, with, with you to make every effort to pull this out, to, to, to be sure, to have assurance. And I'm, I'm not wishing to, to paint everyone deconstructing their faith with the same sort of brush. Uh, but, but a great deal of it that I have seen as a pastor is there are doubts and there are misgivings because there is a conscience being harmed and then we no longer listen to the assurance and the, and the still small voice of the Spirit is a thing that we, we no longer recognize because we have filled our lives with noise and passions of the flesh. So we no longer desire the passions and the desires of the Spirit or we have simply not labored to make our calling sure. We've left the Bible just on the shelf over there gathering dust and maybe I'll pull it out from time to time and, and you know, have, have a little bit of a surface level knowledge, but it's never been unpacked. I've never made the effort. And sadly, deconstruction is, is, is that first real effort that many of those people going through it, it's the first effort they have put into their own faith to take ownership of it. And they need help and they need your help to walk through, through that with them so that you, you be assured yourself and so that you can lead them and help them because you will experience this. You will come across people. They will cross your path going through this if you are not going through this yourself. But the key problem we have is that, that, that we make little or no effort to make sure of our calling and of our election. It doesn't always lead to deconstruction of faith, but it does look like a complete lack of progress and growth in the knowledge of God. We have that thought, you know, that doing nothing is enough because we are saved by, by not by works, but by grace, and, and I don't have to do anything. We are saved to good works, and we are commanded biblically to make every effort to increase in these things. And if you understand this, my, my, my little girl, she's five months old. She, she doesn't question whether she's my daughter. But it doesn't stop it being true. And she plays very little part, very little role in me picking her up for cuddles, for her to experience a more full assurance of being my daughter, to use the, the analogy that if you listen to the podcast we recommended a couple uh, weeks back. Uh, but what she labors hard at, Day to day, every single day, a five-month-old baby labors very hard to recognize my voice, to know who I am, to grow in an understanding of me in relation to her and her in relation to me. And that labor and that growth never ends for father-child. For the Christian, it never ends. Kevin DeYoung says in his excellent book, Taking God at His Word, there is no limit to what the Bible can do for us and to us and through us. We can never outgrow the Bible because it always means to make us grow. The Bible is only impractical for the immature. 
and only irrelevant for the fools who believe that most everything is new under the sun and this is old and past. The other thing that impacts our assurance is conviction of sin being the evidence of our assurance that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Conviction by the Spirit is that working within us towards repentance. It's always our responsibility to carry out that response into repentance. We are convicted, but there is something we must then do. But in that repentance, we receive this joy of more assurance. It is a wonderful thing as you grow in maturity and in your Christian faith to recognize that when you sin and when you fail, so much quicker do you run to the cross and to Christ and receive that joy. It doesn't draw you uh, or steer you away from Him. It draws you near to Him. And if we're questioning our assurance, and at the same time our life is one of continuing in sin and minimizing the voice of the Spirit, and continuing to practice sin. One John, the letter one John is all about this. And, and segregating ourselves from, from Christian family and friends and pastors who speak into our lives truth with love. Well, then it's no wonder if we are, if we are moving away from these things, it's no wonder we have doubts over our assurance. Because we are damaging our conscience. And a damaged conscience is hard of hearing. And is hard of heart. And we will not hear the voice of the living God because we've chosen to be selectively deaf to his words that are hard-hitting. And they need to be hard-hitting because of what is at stake, our salvation, our grace, our joy. The gospel changes lives. The catch line for an ogre is Jesus changes lives. It is so true. And a transformed life is evidence of that assurance being lived out. Let us not believe in the false gospel that deceives us into thinking that God requires nothing of our lives or nothing of the lives of His children. He has no interest in what we do behind closed doors or in our deepest thoughts where no one else could go. You know, like we might place some of our weight upon Him, but we're still kind of holding ourselves with our tippy toes. That's a lie. That is, that is false. Let us not do that because we will have no assurance. And it is a dangerous territory to enter into when we close our ears to the Spirit so that, so that God has to shout to get our attention. Oh, you do not want to be in that place. But what a grace it is that He would continue to pursue an obstinate child such as me. Sex and sexuality, that is a big thing that damages our conscience. Huge. Our thoughts, our lusts, our desires, our carrying out these things. And Peter doesn't name a whole bunch in a list like Paul tends to do. But Peter says, practice these qualities, virtue, moral excellence. Make every effort increase in this. Keep putting to death sin so that you no longer open the door to temptation, which is knocking at your door. As, as God warned uh, uh, the two brothers uh, in Genesis, the sin is knocking at your door and, and it desires to have you, but you must, must not let it in. You resist and you flee 
and you flee from that to Him. So what effort are you making? One of the biggest reasons that our faith is shaken and we have doubts is because we have made little to no effort. We've taken it for granted. And instead of being the good soil where the seed shoots up and gets choked by the worries of the world, we might become Christian, but then we fail to live what a truly transformed life is. And instead of the entirety of us, God kind of gets parts that we're comfortable with. Not the whole, just the parts. God wants all. (laughs) He demands all. And we have assurance when we give him everything. And let go of all that stuff and hold on to him. Accompanying revival is that strong conviction of sin and the proactive response of doing something about it, as I said before. We, we can have commi- conviction, but no committal. We can have lip service with no nearest of nearness of heart to God and the appearance of the thing without the substance of the thing. But if we wish to see true revival, and we want to be able to distinguish what is true and false revival, it is, it is evidenced by the strong conviction of sin and the carrying out of raw repentance. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. When Jesus began to proclaim his gospel in Mark, what did he say? Repent and believe. The kingdom is at hand. But let me ask you guys, do we ever stop believing? Some of you look like you're not so sure. That's okay. Do we stop believing? Is it a one-time thing? No, we, we continue to believe. It is a thing that carries on. Well, if we do not think of believing as a one-time thing, why do we think of repentance in that way sometimes? Repent and believe. Yeah, I've turned from my old life and now I'm following after Jesus, but that is continual. Because our flesh will continually pull us, not in the direction of God, But in the complete opposite direction, repentance is a continual action of the Christian. Continual following. I want to use a little illustration about this because uh, Paul says, uh, if we say we live by the Spirit, let us what? Keep in step with the Spirit. Um, And I'm I'm going to... Ben, I'm going to use you. You can be, you can be an example. I mean, can you come here? This is totally not planned, but um, you're doing youth, man. Get used to it. <laughs> so Ben is going to play the role of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> He's a good man. Um, and the direction in which you are leading me uh, is to the door. Very simple. We're going to go that way. Okay? So take my hand and uh, lead me to the door. So it's a, good, it's a good direction. I want to go that way. That's the way to get to the coffee. But, oh, hey, look, this is pretty cool. Hey, man, see what's going on here? This is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you too, yeah. yeah. I, oh, well, I forgot. I was, I, you know, coffee. That's cool. Um, oh, hey, you're some good-looking people. I'm going to sit over here. Oh, hey. <laughs> the, it, do you think I'm, I'm doing well at this? Uh, I've, I've made a few steps, though. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not bad. But, um. You put some more effort on, man. Like you, yeah, yeah. There we go. 
And I'm gonna just going to hang over here. Whoa. <laughs> I'm going to fall over if I keep resisting this guy. And you notice what happened to Paul when he was on the way to Damascus to persecute Christians. What happened to him? He got punched in the face by the Lord. He knocked him off his high horse. Thanks, Ben. So because he thought he was keeping in step with God. He thought he was, he was zealous for righteousness. He thought these guys were blaspheming. He thought he was doing what was right and going in the right direction. But the thing was, he was going very much in the wrong direction. So much so that Jesus had to shout to get his attention. You do not want that. He was blind for a few days. You do not want that. It is a grace of God if it happens. But you don't want it. How much more joy there is to keep in step and go the direct route as he leads us and not get dragged side to side and, and have the Spirit need to continually pull us back up, back to the place where we left and back again to the place that we left until we get the point. Our flesh is continually drawing us away from God. But we have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. It stays there. Let's not go back again and put a dead body on ourselves. Let's not love or pursue what we've left behind. We forsake it. We leave it behind. And I want to turn now to Titus chapter 2, and I think I've got this one up here. I'm just going to read it from there. Uh, For the grace of God has appeared. This is Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14, if you wonder. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, key, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, self-controlled, to live upright and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I love it. It is grace that has appeared in which we hope, and this grace trains us to renounce ungodliness, to forsake it, to let it go, so that with both hands we can cling to Christ. And repentance is a continual letting go of what is not godly and pursuing and clinging and holding on to and building up what is. Repentance is shoring up our certainty of our assurance of our assurance now, of our assurance from the cleansing of our past sins and the assurance of our rich entrance into the kingdom of God that Peter spoke about. Repentance leads us back on that right path with a keen focus on where we're going. And it's humbling. And we learn why we're going there. And we understand in repentance that our every step in that direction is one of joy. And how unimaginably glorious our arrival will be at last when Christ appears. Repentance is something that we are trained up in. 
And it begins and it ends with grace, both repentance and assurance. These are gifts of grace. And the Spirit leads us in them. So as Ben was pulling me back onto the path, repentance is me recognizing what I've been doing is sin. I need to renounce it, move away from it, not go near that guy. He's trouble. <laughs> and walk in obedience with Christ. And Grudem, Wayne Grudem, he's defined repentance as, and I have this as a quote, repentance is a heartfelt sorrow for sin. Do I have that up there? Yeah. And a renouncing of it, of sin, and a seer's commitment to forsake it, to let it go and grab both hands onto the Lord and walk in obedience to Christ. Repentance, like faith, is an intellectual understanding that sin is wrong, an emotional approving of the teachings of Scripture regarding sin, so a sorrow for sin and a hatred of it. One of the problems is we do not hate our sin enough. Oh, we love Christ. But let us hate what He hates and what He died to save us and free us from. And a personal decision to turn from it, a renouncing of sin and a decision of the will to forsake it and lead a life of obedience to Christ instead because how much more glorious and beautiful that is. However, we should never say someone has to actually live that changed life over a period of time before repentance can be genuine or else repentance would turn, turn into a kind of a work that we could do to merit salvation for ourselves, which is contrary to the New Testament teaching that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Repentance is a gift of grace, but it is not a work towards our salvation. It is an outflowing from it. And we have to remember, remorse is not repentance. You remember uh, Keller, he marked revival as evidence by conviction of sin and they're doing something about it. Remorse happens in church when people hear the preaching of the word. They're remorseful. They grieve over their sins. Remorse is, uh, it, it stops though before it does the thing that actually matters. And there's a big problem with our world in remorse. Remorse, people are grieved over their sin. The celebrities, uh, those who misspoke or get called out on, on social media for, for their actions or their words, they are grieved over them. But a lot of the focus is on the consequences and often more so because they were found out rather than the actual sin itself or that conviction from the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. It's peace, it's beautiful, it's assurance. Whereas worldly grief produces death. Let us not walk in that. But when we are convicted, we turn and do something about it. Because we know we are sons and daughters of the Most High. We know we can, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. Genuine repentance, it must be accompanied by that sincere decision to renounce, to let go, to forsake our sin and not walk in it, but instead walk in the righteousness, keeping in step with the Spirit. And it's, it's accompanied by this wonderful cleansing from guilt and this peace and this joy of the Spirit's work of grace and forgiveness. It's a beautiful experience of assurance as we draw near to God knowing that, that nothing can separate us from the love of God and Jesus. Not even suffering 
And suffering is a thing that comes to shake our assurance, but it can actually grow our assurance. It is to be seen as an opportunity. That is the way in which the Word teaches. We don't seek it, but suffering builds character and leads to hope. Suffering is an opportunity to make more sure our election and our calling. And it impacts our assurance like a boat and a sailor. You might have kind of heard the analogy a little bit, but still waters don't make for a skilled sailor. Nor does it make one sure of the vessel in which they are steering, even less so if that vessel is anchored in a safe harbor. But it's in the storm and the raging waters that the sailor is made more sure of their ship to hold up to the the waves crashing down upon it and also made more sure as the, the crew are made more sure of their sailor and of the captain and his abilities to lead them through. So we are not without help because the solution in this to, to build up and to grow is, is again in Second Peter. Going back to Second Peter and, and uh, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, where he has given us endless resources. Hear this, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. If you want to live life to the full, he's given you everything you need. If you want to live in godliness, he has given you everything you need through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So how are you building that knowledge? By which he has granted to us by his precious and very great promises. So that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We forsake that. We grab hold of him. We are assured that the thing is true and that we can lean into him. We can trust his resources and we are confident because we know we are his and we can rest in that. Like the crazy people on the side of the cliff We can rest in it because Christ will hold always. He will hold. It is his strength in which we labor. So we make every effort, Peter says, to increase in these, to build in these. But in those efforts, we do not grow weary and we will never fall because it is his strength in which we labor and toil. As by grace, as the chosen people of God, by grace we repent and believe. By His mercy we seek Him in repentance. By grace we carry out the repentance because we are assured that we are His by grace. And as by grace we are made more sure of our election and diligently confirm our calling, making sure the foundation we are on is stable. It's by grace that any of that happens. And Keller, again, from that podcast, if you, if you heard it, repentance humbles, he says, makes for very humble Christians. It's wonderful. And it impacts our assurance because we get that confidence. It makes for beautiful evangelists, those who are assured and humble. Out of the, our assurance, we repent. Out of repentance, we are assured. And we labor in these. And there's this circle and I want to I point you to two quick resources uh, before we, we, we respond with this. This is a great book. 
Redemption freed by Jesus from the idols we worship and the wounds we carry. One John, the letter one John finishes with little children, keep yourselves from idols. In this way, clean ourselves out, forsake our sins. This is a wonderful book uh, to, to grow in that repentance. Uh, really good to get. It is awesome. Yeah, it's a real unpacking of Exodus and the movement through Exodus. It's beautiful. This assurance, if you want to build your assurance, start here. This is great. Well, actually, no, wait. Start here. <laughs> Stay there, but also add to it <laughs> with this. Supplement to it with that. The Cross of Christ, it's a beautiful book. It is so powerful, and it has impacted generations. It's a really wonderful book. And if we wish to be prepared for revival, and we just, not even revival, just simply want to walk the Christian life, we need more than just empty remorse. We need more than just a, a mist that does not have any substance when doubts come. But we want to be effective. We want to be fruitful. So we want to increase in these qualities and be diligent and be brutally honest with repentance that flows out of our certain assurance in Christ. And that will then make us more certain of the assurance. And in doing so, one affects the other. So, know whose you are. A Christ. Know who you are in Him. Oh, you're, you are possessed. You are His. You are His treasured possession. Do you think He would let go of you so easily? Know what it cost him to make it so. And live like it actually matters. That truth needs to sink deep. And it directs our every step back to him. And so we're going to do just that. We're going to seek his mercy. The guys come up uh, to, to lead us in song. We're going to take some time to repent. Because it's good. It is a gift of grace, repentance. If you've never received the gospel... Now's the time to turn from sin, to trust in Him who lived the life that we could not live, died the death we should have died, and rose again in victory to give us His Spirit, to give us His peace, to give us assurance. These guys are going to play a new song that you may not have heard before. And as they go through it, take some time to reflect, to, to, to do, do business with God, to, to rejoice in your assurance Make more sure of your assurance and repent of the sins that the Spirit might bring to mind or the idols that your heart wants to build. Pull them down. Tear them down. Ask Him if you're not sure to reveal them to you because sometimes we are blind to our idols. So seek the Spirit in this time, in this song, uh, um, and then uh, stand and you can, you can sing and rejoice as, as we go through this when you feel ready. Um, but this is, this is a time for, for you to do business with the Lord.